What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. You can follow the podcast on our Twitter and our Facebook page. You can listen on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, this week, we are joined by my good friend, uh, John Veneziano. Uh, John, well, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? It's good. I'm glad to have you here this week. We're uh, going a little bit off the beaten path of sports. We're talking soccer this week. Uh, yeah. Talking some uh, U.S. men's national team, some some revs. I'm uh, I'm really really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it'll be really good. I'm I'm excited. So uh, obviously, as I think I may have mentioned on previous podcasts, that the uh, U.S. has a uh, qualifying window uh, starting tomorrow with a home match against El Salvador. Yeah. Um, and John is a bit of a uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should say expert, but uh, quite a uh, soccer person and uh, knows quite a bit about the uh, U.S. men's national team. So that's where we're going to start. Uh, so looking at uh, this qualifying window, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to? Um, I would say, first of all, um, the U.S. game against El Salvador. Super pumped for that tomorrow. Um, make sure to tune into that game. Um, I'm very excited to see how kind of the team puts itself together, um, how they play tomorrow. They're playing in Minneapolis, which is going to be super cold outdoors in January. Um, and they'll be taking on kind of an El Salvador side that's been a bit, um, you know, not the greatest. So I'm hoping for a convincing win against El Salvador to kind of start things off. Mm-hmm. Um, then going into the match against Canada this weekend, Canada are actually top of the qualifying table right now. Um, we have to go to Canada to play them. Um, they'll be missing their best player, Alfonso Davies, who has uh, myocarditis from COVID. Mm. And so hate to see that get well soon. Absolutely. Um, but um, the U.S. definitely have an advantage going into that game because they have some of their top players in some top form right now in some really good positions with mm-hmm. club teams and I think they'll bring a really good performance to Canada and they close out a game in Orlando against Panama um, which I'm hoping to see a win there as well so potentially a nine point window would be really nice Okay. Um, you know two wins and a draw is never bad as well usually the formula is win at home draw on the road and you're into the World Cup so seven points to nine points would be something that I would be looking for yeah absolutely I mean I think anytime you can look at some of these games and look at teams that the other side might have and, you know, how, how you're playing, you can feel pretty confident. So um, I figured we could go into looking at the roster for this qualifying window. U.S. will play sure. uh, three games starting tomorrow night. Um, so taking a look at the roster position uh, by position, I think it makes sense to start in goal. Um, sure. The goalies on the roster, Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner and Gabriel Slonina. Uh, what what do you make of those four uh, choices? So it's actually going to be interesting because um, Zach Steffen might not play in that first game. He has back spasms and he's reported to camp late. So we might see a heavy dose of Matt Turner, at least in game one or game two as well. Um, I definitely think Turner and Steffen are very close in terms of level. You know, Steffen plays for Manchester City. He's the backup, doesn't see a lot of playing time. Matt Turner's the starting goalkeeper for the Revs, was goalkeeper of the year this year in MLS. Could be stealing a move to the Premier League really soon, which is something we could talk about later. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but th- 
those two guys are definitely the top dog. Sean Johnson is kind of a rotation guy who's been there a while. And Slanina is a really exciting prospect. He's only 17 years old, um, plays for the Chicago Fire. Um, is actually getting quite a bit of interest from some top teams in Europe. So mm. he's one to watch for the future. Mm-hmm. So now in the defenders, there's quite a bit of names here. Um, Reggie Canyon, Serginio Dest, Brooks Lennon, Mark McKenzie, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. What are some of the things that you're looking at for, for this group? So there's oftentimes a lot of people have controversies about the roster. They have their own theories about certain players. Hmm. Um, you know, John Brooks is like many widely considered to be the best U.S. defender. He's been left off the roster um, for form reasons, form reasons uh, in quotation marks, because a lot of people think that's a myth. Hmm. Um so I think you'll often see the U.S. go with a four-man backline. You'll see Anthony Robinson starting. You'll see Miles Robinson will be starting. The question mark will be whether Chris Richards or Walker Zimmerman starts in the other center back spot, and then you'll see Serginio Des play right back. Um, those would be your locked-in starters. The other guys kind of fill up in depth. And you'll just see a bunch of guys during this window for roster rotation because three games in about eight or nine days is kind of a lot for your body to take. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot of rotation with these guys. But those five, I would say, are the big dogs in that position of the field. Gotcha. And then look at midfielders. There are seven names here. Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Sebastian Legette, Weston McKinney, uh, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. What, mm-hmm. are you, what, are, what are your thoughts with this, this group? So... The U.S. plays with a three-man midfield, and for the tough games, it's always going to be Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney. Those are the big guys. They're going to get all the minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, last time we played Canada, we didn't have McKinney healthy. We didn't have Tyler Adams healthy, and that really uh, depleted us in trying to control the game, and it's part of the reason why we drew 1-1 at home. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those other guys are kind of roster filler. Um, not a huge fan of seeing Legette. Um, not a huge fan of seeing Christian Roldan or Kellen Acosta. Um, there's a lot of gripes within the U.S. soccer community about some favoritism going on there mm-hmm. because there's been quite a few midfielders who have outplayed them for better teams and better leagues and aren't I getting see. a shot. I see. So um, there's a lot of controversy regarding that. Um, but I bet you that Bearhalter will play some of them at least at some point because he seems to really like them. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the forwards, kind of the exciting group i guess mm-hmm. uh brendan aronson paul Ariola, jesus Ferreria, uh jordan morris ricardo pepe christian pulisic tim way and giassi zardes uh, this group i'm very excited for pepe is a very exciting player he is he absolutely is he just sealed a move to the bundesliga for 20 million dollars which is a record for a, a huge record for an mls player yeah he passed alfonso davies's record when he got sold to Bayern munich Um, Right now, he's trying to save Augsburg from relegation. Just started in his first game over the weekend. Um, He's going to be the starting striker. He's scored the most goals for the U.S. during qualifying so far. Um, Only 19 years old. Um, The other two starters on the wing will probably be Christian Pulisic, obviously. He's the leader and the talisman of this team, uh, as well as Tim Weah, who's really put in some really good performances recently for his club and with Mm -hmm. the U.S. So a really dynamic front three that's going to cause a lot of problems for some defenses. So with with these three games, do you think that we're going to see different um, 11 man starting units for each of the games? Or do you think they're going to keep it pretty, pretty tight? 
So I think definitely you're going to see a lot of rotation in these games. Okay. Bearhalter usually likes to rotate the team a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the whole team, but certain positions, maybe certain players pick up yellow cards, injuries, sure. um, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, as well, it's, it's helpful to have fresh legs as well. Um, I definitely think against Canada, you'll see the strongest lineup played because okay. that is the toughest game. Um, I would imagine there's going to be some pretty decent rotation against El Salvador because the U.S. should be expected to win that game by quite a bit. And then against Panama as well, I wouldn't be surprised to see some rotation as well, um, especially with some injuries. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we looked at the roster. Out of out of those guys, who do you think are like the most important players for this for this window for the U.S. to be successful? That's a great question. Um, I think... There's three I'd highlight. I think you got to think about Christian Pulisic, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's the main guy on this team. You know, um, if anything good attacking comes through this team, he's a main, main figure. Um, huge player for, for the U.S. Um, I think you got to think about Weston McKennie as well in the midfield. He's a huge presence in this team, and having him back um, compared to that first window is really big. Um, he's playing really, really well for Juventus right now in, uh, in Italy. And uh, he's going to be the main man in that midfield. And then I think Yunus Musa as well um, scored his first goal of the season against Atletico Madrid over the weekend. And he's somebody that when he plays with the U.S., he plays a different position for the U.S. than he does with his club. Mm -hmm. And he really controls the game quite a bit when he's with the U.S. And he's also only 19. So another hugely young, talented player um, who's going to have a massive uh, fingerprint on these games. Yeah, that's one of the things I think I'm most excited for, just like the age of these guys, that they're so young and really, I don't know, there's a different feel to these teams than maybe teams a couple of years ago. Oh, for sure. It's unheard of to have this amount of young talent in this team. Uh, If you're a fan of soccer in the U.S., I would highly recommend following the team because this is the best the program's looked in quite some time Mm -hmm. um, with the amount of young talents we have. I mean, we have, I think six or seven teenagers that are playing in top five leagues in the world, which yeah. is pretty unheard of. Mm. Um, having another that's going to be transferring. Um, Kevin Paredes is going to be moving from D.C. United to Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga in the coming days. He's only 18. Um, mm. A lot of guys, too, that you know you haven't seen yet, but you're going to be seeing in the next few years. Yeah. So um, in terms of what you want to see from the team, like what do you think are like couple keys to how they're going to perform or how – like? It keys keys for their success in this window. Sure. Um, the U.S. are going to want to try and possess the ball. Um, Greg Berhalter likes to have a lot of possession in his teams and a lot of passing, passing around, opening up the defense, and then finding that hole. Um, I want to see the U.S. play with a bit more creativity. Um, mm-hmm. They seem to sometimes lack that creativity in the midfield when like somebody like Majed is thrown in or Acosta um, and they don't really can't really get forward and connect in that final part of the game to really open up the teams. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see some cohesion between the midfield and the attackers. Um, I'd also like to see some certain players, you know, step up and rise to the occasion, maybe that aren't key guys, because mm-hmm. um, you need any contributions from everybody to win these games. Right. Um, as well, I mean, there is a possibility that the U.S. punch their ticket to the World Cup this window. It's a very very slim possibility, but mm-hmm. it's still there. Um, so I want to see everybody, you know, really give it their all and leave it all out in the field. Sure. Um, so one of the things that I was curious about, so obviously the two home matches that they, I mean, really all three of the matches they have 
you know, are going to be in, you know, cold weather cities in the United States. And then obviously they're in Canada. Um, do, how much do you think the cold is going to affect these games? And, you know, how will it affect the U.S.? Yeah, the, well, the first game, obviously, in Minneapolis is going to be really frigid. Yeah. Uh, they've been training in it all week. Um, I think a lot of the players say they're excited to play in the snow. They're excited to play in the cold weather. Um, personally, I don't really see it being too much of an, uh, having too much of an impact. Because okay. I think these guys have, you know, they're just going to play their game at the end of the day. Right. Um, but it is something to consider. I mean, part of the reason why you're playing El Salvador up in Minnesota is because the people from El Salvador aren't used to playing in cold weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or at least that's the rationale of the Federation. Right. Um, so I think, honestly, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I think the game in Minnesota will help prepare them for the game in Canada coming up mm-hmm. in three days' time because they'll be playing up in Hamilton, Ontario, which sure. is further up. And then, of course, they've got the last game is a warm weather game down in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. so that's going to be, um, interesting. So, uh, just to reiterate, U.S. opens up, uh, Thursday against El Salvador, Sunday against Canada, and then when next Wednesday against, um, Honduras. So I think right. we'll, um, yes, I think it makes sense to look at the, uh, standings for the qualifying. So currently, uh, U.S. is just a point back of Canada who leads the group at the moment and then Mexico and Panama are just a point behind uh, the U.S. So you said that you know you'd like to see them get you know seven or, or nine in this window mm-hmm. um, and then you said something about possibly even punching their ticket to the World Cup. Is that possible if they are able to win all three? Yeah they'd have to win out okay. um, and they'd have to get some help from other teams in order for that to happen. Okay. It's highly highly unlikely that I they see. punch their their ticket this window but it is like mathematically possible okay it's like gotcha. you know you have in the nfl wild card you know teams yeah. that are mathematically still in it but it's really hard to get in right yeah it's kind of like along those lines it'll probably be next window if they punch their ticket which gotcha. will be the final three games of the window yeah. so so i think you know thinking about that next window like i think obviously they want to put themselves in a good spot so that they're not coming down to a last game where they have to get a point yeah, because that happened last time, and we all know what happened last right. time. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so, and especially the last few games, they got two away games. They got to go to Mexico, which is always a really tough team, and then they got to sure. go to Costa Rica, where they never do well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really key to get as many points as you can this window with those tough games coming up. Do you think, though, that, that it could be that this window ends up being uh, like a lot of pressure and that ends up being a problem? It could be. I mean, yeah. there's certainly there's really high expectations on this team, right? You've got all this talent. You didn't qualify for the World Cup last time around, so you've got extra pressure from the fan base. So you're going to be under a microscope. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure these guys are going to feel the pressure. But part of the good thing about this is now with the U.S. players playing at like such high levels in Europe is mm-hmm. that they're used to this pressure week in and week out Sure. from their clubs. So I'm sure they're no stranger to the pressure and the expectations of fan bases. Um, but yeah, it's certainly something to think about. It's something that could definitely get in your head if you're a young player, maybe someone who doesn't have a ton of experience internationally or club wise, Mm -hmm. it's definitely something to to keep in the back of your mind. All right. Well, I think, um, that probably, we'll probably move on to the revs. Now you guys can watch, uh, us against El Salvador Thursday at seven o'clock on ESPN two and ESPN plus, 
Um, so now I'll move on to the, the Revolution. And uh, believe it or not, they have uh, some games coming up. They do. Preseason start right around the corner. Yeah. And regular I, season's right around the corner. Yeah, you also got uh, CONCACAP Champions League that's starting soon yeah, uh, in a few it's weeks. It's really weird to be in that. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that because obviously I know what the Champions League is like in Europe, but uh, CONCACAF Champions League, I was not aware that that was a thing. <laughs> it is a thing, and it's often something that people don't really know what it is. It's very similar to UEFA Champions League, not in terms of scope or anything or level. It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, basically takes the top teams from CONCACAF that played, got in, either won their league or reached some kind of domestic cup Mm-hmm. in their league and pools them all together in this kind of round of 16 i think it is now tournament mm-hmm. they mix it up up the the rules so often that it's really hard to keep track of but gotcha. i believe it's round of 16 this year mm-hmm. they're opening up against a team from haiti okay i think it's cavalier is, is how you call it i okay. can't remember okay. um but they'll be going down to haiti and then playing a game at gillette mm-hmm. um, to get to the quarterfinals gotcha um no MLS team in the modern era has actually won the CONCACAF Champions League. Okay, that was, that's so, what was, that was my next question. Yes, so okay. the Mexican teams historically dominate this tournament. Okay. Um, the U.S. teams have gotten to finals before. LAFC got to a final, almost beat Tigres a couple years ago. Real Salt Lake got to a final. Montreal got to a final. Um, in the old CONCACAF Champions League, when it, was the camp- when it was the Champions Cup, the Galaxy won in 2000 and DC United won in 96. Okay. But that's been it. MLS success has been very fleeting yeah. in this competition. What What do you think the Revs' chances are in this uh, tournament? Well, for sure, I think they'll get past the round of 16. Okay. Um, the Revs in cup competitions have been very hit or miss. Like in the U.S. Open Cup, we haven't had that in a couple of years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have lost to some lower division sides before, so it's very tough. And we're entering preseason as well, where they haven't really gelled yet. Right. Um, some new guys have come in, and obviously mm-hmm. the team's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have to get up to match fitness and try and figure it out yeah. uh, from there. But I think they'll have the talent definitely to get to at least mm-hmm. the quarterfinals. Um, and then from there, who knows? It depends on who they draw. Right. Um, if it's a Mexican team... Yeah, it's going to be difficult, yeah. especially for a team that hasn't played in this, isn't a regular in this competition. Sure. Um, so speaking of, you know, new um, additions and, you know, it's a, it's a different team for the Revs as they will uh, open their season in about a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the new additions to this team, you know, Sebastian Legette, Omar Gonzalez, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for from, from both of those guys? So I think Omar Gonzalez, at least for now, will just be kind of a depth piece, like a rotational player. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's entering kind of the twilight years of his career. He used to be a really prominent center back, has World Cup experience. Sure. Um, Kind of on the downturn of his career after leaving Toronto FC. Um, Somebody Bruce Arena knows well from his days in L.A., Mm -hmm. uh, won three championships with him. Um, But the starting center backs are most certainly going to be Farrell and Kessler. Okay. Um, this year um, but he'll definitely I think play a role maybe in like um, rotational minutes cup competitions maybe if they need to shore up the defense going in kind of trying to win out a game right. um, as far as legit he'll definitely be a starter I'm mm-hmm. 100% sure on that he's better than Tommy McNamara I, I trash legit all the time with the national team yeah but for for the team that he's on right now at MLS he's gonna be he's gonna be a starter Mm-hmm. Um, definitely brings big game experience, national team experience. Mm-hmm. Um, started his career off with West Ham in the Premier League, so he's got, you know, kind of 
roots in European academies. Um, and he's definitely a player Bruce Arena likes and he knows. So um, a lot of ex-Galaxy players on the Revs this year. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I'm curious to see how Legette plays with, um, you know, Heal, Bo, and Buxa and, you know, yeah. how that how that attack is going to improve. Yeah, um, for sure. It's going to be a different attack, too, because there's right. no more Tejan. Sure. He's gone. Yeah. Um, he's in, up in Belgium. He recorded his first assist over the weekend, so props to Tejan. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Way to go. <laughs> U.S. got to play him against Canada, unfortunately. Yeah, but, of course, yeah. Um, quality player is going to yeah. be missed um yeah. i'm curious how they fill that gap yeah because they really haven't done it yet mm-hmm. um i don't know if Botang is going to be the guy there or they're going to rotate somebody in but mm-hmm. it'll certainly be a big loss yeah that was honestly going to be my next question is how do they um deal with the the loss of tejan because i think you know he probably is the most important player that is no longer going to be with the team you know obviously we'll see what happens with with turner but i think right. buchanan's definitely a guy that they're going to miss yeah, for sure. He's a young, dynamic talent, um, super fast, quick on the dribble, tricky player. Um, the Revs really don't have anybody like him on the team. He had a really unique skill set, and I'm really curious how they replace that because, like a guy said, they really don't have any guys like that unless they bring up a young player, which Bruce Arena is not really known to do. Um, got a couple guys in the academy that are starting to put it together a little bit, mm-hmm. so I'm curious to see if arena maybe leans on them a little bit this year sure i would like to see that um one of the other players that um i think it was early in the off season uh teal bunbury uh, obviously had quite a successful run with with the revs for for a while um you know i don't know if they're gonna necessarily miss his skill set on the field but i think he definitely had that kind of leadership quality that i think um you know i'd be curious to see how they go and try to replace that Absolutely, yeah. Teal was a real leader on the team, um, especially in the locker room. And he was a quality player when he was on the field. I mean, he, his minutes got reduced to kind of substitute minutes, and now he's on, off of Nashville. But he's still going to be a pretty decent loss for the team. And it'll be interesting to see who steps up and fills that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, well, we, we don't know for sure, but, you know, there's certainly rumors swirling about uh, Matt Turner. Um, right. You know, obviously, I think first place, you know, you want to have, you know, Matt go and pursue, you know, a tremendous opportunity, you know, if it does come to him. But on the other hand, you know, it's going to be a challenge for, for the revolution, you know, considering how good he was last year. Um, yeah. You know, if if he does indeed leave, what what is their goaltending situation going to look like, do you think? It is non-existent at the moment, I will tell you that. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern. If he leaves, I really hope they have somebody lined up, uh, either in the transfer market or some kind of veteran from MLS that can you know, fill in um, because they're, they don't really have much talent behind him. Brad Knighton is off the team now. Um, also, kind of their third keeper, Earl Edwards, um, didn't get many minutes mainly a second team player mostly a reserve team player his entire career um so i'm very curious to see what happens there what their plan is if they do sell him um you know if he goes to arsenal fantastic move for him he'll most likely be a backup to start but it's every player's dream to play in a big league like that for a big team sure yeah yeah i would definitely say the same thing i mean he definitely had a tremendous run with the revolution you know last season was 
was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was un- unreal. The amount of key plays and key saves he made to keep them in the games. Um, yeah. it, I, I mean, I think really the fan base isn't going to really value that until he's gone. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds uh, familiar uh, about a certain hockey team, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. That's fine. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, with or without Turner, that's going to make a big difference in terms of what their season is going to look like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a guy that's been around that long. He has to have some type of plan. Yeah, a guy who's won five MLS Cups in his career. Right. I feel like knows what he's doing. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like it's it's difficult because we don't really know what the Turner situation is going to be. But, you know, as of right now, what do you think expectations for the team should should be? I think, you know, certainly um, I would shoot for top four in the East. Yeah. 100% was, would be a realistic goal. They've mm-hmm. got a, a really talented roster still, regardless of the players that they've lost or could potentially lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they'll be... Well, obviously, it's going to be really difficult to be as good as they were last year because that was of the course. best regular season ever by an Of MLS course. Season. Yeah, exactly. So um, I definitely would, wouldn't say... I, there's been a lot of teams that have improved quite a bit in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say the Revs have really gone out and improved all that much right um, but i would definitely expect at least a top four finish um if you look at kind of a team like philadelphia um a couple of years ago when they sold brendan aronson and mark mckenzie and they were the supporters shield winners mm-hmm. and then the next year they went and finished i think second or third in the league um i think that's something you could expect um from the team um and turner might not be the only one who goes so we'll have to keep an eye on that yeah yeah absolutely um uh, I just say from my perspective, I'm excited. You know, I think that last year and the last couple of years since Arena has come in, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's almost like the fan base of this team is way more vocal than I've ever seen it before. Um, yeah, and I'm hope, sure. And I'm hoping that, you know, they can continue to do well, continue to, you know, keep Bo and Heel around that, you know, they can be teams that are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I would love to see. It's definitely been like a total culture change since yeah. coming to the team. Yeah. Um, you it's, know, even going to games, going to the playoff game yeah. uh, against NYCFC, yeah. it was pretty insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited. And uh, quick thoughts about the new logo. <laughs> yeah, well, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but I kind of like the old one. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm one of those, you know, nostalgic people. I I like the old way, but you know, hey, I think if they're if they're gonna rebrand, I'm totally totally behind it, and I understand oh, yeah. it. You know, if you want to be taken seriously, I think in this day and age, you want to try to find a, a a logo and a brand that's gonna be, you know, not looking like something that a child designed with uh, pastel <laughs> colors. Yeah, 
I know. And maybe find your own stadium while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Kraft, if you're listening, figure it out. Yeah, rock it on it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this, is a, this is a great conversation, John. Uh, any other any other last thoughts you have? Um, let's see. Any other thoughts I have? Um, get ready for that doozy of a snowstorm on Saturday if you're in the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is going to be insane. Yeah. All right, and well. Tune in for the U.S. game as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely do that. All right, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in to Guest Friday. Uh, not your average Boston sports podcast. You can listen to our uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow the Facebook and Twitter page. Uh, John, do you have anything that uh, you want to plug uh, personally? Uh, I mean, I could plug my, my Instagram. Yeah, account. go ahead. If you want to follow uh, future USMNT on Instagram, um, I profile the uh, top young players within the U.S. program. Um got a lot of recognition on there it's been really really cool um so yeah uh, come hang out come see some posts and uh yeah it'll be a good time absolutely yeah everyone go follow uh john's instagram uh all right everyone we'll uh talk to you next week thanks for joining